0: All right, well, welcome to episode 80 of the Other Six Podcast. Today, you can kind of see it's a little bit different. Uh, I got Adam over here, our lead pastor. He's going to be hosting. I feel all out of sorts. I'm on this side of (laughs) the table. I don't don't know what's going on. I don't have... Chad did not leave me his playbook. No, we're going to skip the pun. <laughs> we're going to skip the okay, pun. Okay, yeah, because that's just too much for you and I to come it, up it's with. It's way too much. Yeah. Um, Chad's out of town on vacation. That's right. But we do have a special guest. Yes, absolutely. Matt Piland. Man, how are yeah, you? it's great to be with you. Yeah. So you used to work at... Bethlehem. Yeah, I, I used to work at Bethlehem, yeah, where
1: Matt Pylon works now. Yeah, I still yeah, You still work there? He could have been laid <laughs> off <laughs> within the last twenty four hours. Maybe yeah. this is part of the plan. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. So. we might. We, yeah, we, we might just added another person. There you go. Team. That's yeah, good. So we're grateful that Matt uh, came over and shared with, <laughs> with us in our Broken Crown teaching series. Yes. How long have you been at Bethlehem now? Six years. April. That's crazy. April one would be six years. Wow. Okay. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna obviously talk about your message. It was fantastic. Yeah. So many great things um, that we want to unpack. But I thought it'd be fun just to take a minute and talk about Bethlehem Church. Take a um, beat um, oh, <laughs> because yeah. Bethlehem Church is one of those. God just decided to move stories. Yeah. I mean, there's really, you know, not an explanation other than God. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll try to give a little bit of context, and then I want you to t- tell us a little bit about what God's been doing now, because you're all right in the middle of some pretty big stuff. Sure. So I, big. I, I moved <laughs> there. Big. 2012, I guess, is when I, you know, joined the team. The The lead pastor there is named Jason Britt. He's my brother in law. He married my <laughs> sister, Nan. I introduced them. Oh, so, yeah. Matchmaker we, over here. I, yeah, I was. So I, we're 21 years old and, um, and I thought to myself, Jason's the godliest guy I know. That's a really good criteria yeah. for somebody to date my sister. So I was like, hey, dude, you should ask Nan out sometime. I think mm-hmm. the two of y'all would really get along. I never thought he would. <laughs> and if you saw the two of them, you would think he has no shot. But like, basically, like the godliness it's really true. showed up in a big way yeah. for him. <laughs> so so uh, he asked Nan out. They started dating. They got married. Uh, and, and he and I, in ministry, worked basically the same jobs at different churches mm-hmm. for the first you know decade or so in ministry. And then he ends up uh, leaving an amazing church, Twelve Stone, 12 Stone. which you've led which, worship
0: there. Yeah, and we—he was actually
1: there and, too. And Matt, so we were on staff together at Twelve Stone. Right? <laughs> you were one of the campus pastors. Yeah. Um, really big campus, yeah. Flowery Branch. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Flowery Branch is the headquarters of the Atlanta Falcons, one of the most hey. poorly run organizations on the planet. But we'll set that aside here
2: for a second. So um, no connect, not because they're in Flowery Branch. No, 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 not no. Because- Flowery Branch is a wonderful
1: community. Other than the Falcons, and so, um, Falcons. so Jason leaves Twelve Stone to become the lead pastor at First. First. First Baptist Bethlehem, Mm. okay?
2: so first baptist first baptist okay. every, i told him not, i told him not to do about it every that. bit of it we all thought he was
1: crazy <laughs> yeah. we thought i thought he lost his mind and so um, sometimes god leads you into things about that you say. have to come in. so um there were a good group of people there mm-hmm. who had desperately always wanted to see god move in their community but like any church you can kind of get stuck in your ways yeah. and, and and so that's kind of where they were at they mm-hmm. and they needed good leadership and and god led jason there and he was obedient to go there And um, as I like to say, from day one, he just started doing everything that should have gotten him fired, (laughs) like change the name of the church blow out the adult Sunday school space and turn it into kids', kids. ministry space. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just one thing after the next. And people are meeting Jesus left and right. Yeah. Okay? So then I come join him. And basically, I tried to just come and, you know, build some structure, build mm-hmm. some systems, and um, get some life groups going. You know, kind of a lot of what we know at Vaughn <laughs> yeah. Forest, we were building right. that, you know, kind of. And so it's 2023. Is that what year we're in? It's yeah. hard to believe. Uh, yeah. Okay? yeah.
0: So this time
1: <laughs> 10 years ago, we were— I remember we hit 1,362 in August of 2013, Mm -hmm. and I I remember that number very specifically. So somewhere in the spring that year, we were probably around 1,000, 1,100, about the size we are right now at Vaughn Forest. And now, um, all these years later, 6,000 people, three different campuses, yeah. um, God has just continued to do a great That's work nuts. there. And so I was honored just to get to be part of that team um, for four years, and God moved me out to Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all these years later, we're back in the Southeast. And so obviously, with my brother-in-law being the pastor there, mm-hmm. my parents live over there now, yeah. you know, that, even though I grew up on a whole other side of Atlanta, Henry was born and yeah. at this, that kind of almost feels like, like home, home now for yeah. us. Yeah, um, We're over there quite a bit. and so. Matt Matt been there no, six years. Six years? Um, six years. And you know Matt's experience um, at Twelve Stone. Matt knows how to think big organizationally, mm. and so you came in and basically not only has the church just exploded, but now y'all are in the middle of a, a season where you're literally moving the church to yeah. a new location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've set that Way up. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. so tell Comfort us kind zone. of the the yeah the latest of what's happening over there because it is pretty remarkable.
2: Yeah, I mean, so uh, what you said is true about Bethlehem Church, you know, one of the things that we say for explosive go- growth, you know, three things have to be true, right time, right place, right leadership. And so the convergence of those three things is, I think, you know, plus God's favor. I mean, let's just... Yeah. You know, that's that's not to minimize God's favor. I mean, God's favor is the main thing that, that God is just has his hand, you know, on Bethlehem. Like we talked about today, it's, it's wind in the sails of mm-hmm. everything that we do. So, uh, momentum is a great thing. But, yeah, we sold our uh in the process of selling our facility to the school. So, Bethlehem Church has a school, Bethlehem Christian Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, we're the lid uh, for each other. And so, God's blessing the school. God's blessing the church. And so, we just decided— it's the right time, uh, so we sold or we're selling the facility to the school, and then we are relocating about a mile or two up. So that will allow the
1: school basically to double their capacity. Correct, because you know the school yeah. and the church adjoin together. <laughs> now all of that will become the school, which right. is going to take the school to a whole new level. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Is it about a mile or two up the road? Yeah, it's about two miles. Okay. It's the next exit, so it's it's really about two miles.
1: And so. How much property? How many acres? So it's like thirty
2: six
1: acres. Okay, oh, thirty six wow. acres of property has. Con- are y'all still grading? Uh,
2: yeah, they're grading now. Okay, as <laughs> we speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so
1: you have to go by and make sure they're kind of yeah, you know time. getting stuff yeah. done. Yeah. But yeah. y'all've had your folks out there <laughs> prayer walking that property. Yeah, I've we, seen a lot of things on social media. We really prayed cool. over.
2: I mean, we believe God's going to do something great there, and really, uh, it's going to allow us to expand, reach more people in the community. The community is growing uh, rapidly crazy. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and so obviously that's part of it. And then, um, man, just w- what Jason's done there since he's been there, and kind of going back into the story mm-hmm. when I said, hey, listen, I don't think you should take this. Yeah, uh, what you're crazy like you and I I grew up a preacher's kid. He grew up a preacher's kid. Like we know how bad it can go mm-hmm. and I just thought you're going to get slaughtered. And just like you said Adam, I mean he had now now I work for him. Yeah. And you did work yeah. for him. Yeah. So, yeah. he was right, we were wrong. Yeah. But I'll tell you, God, God's doing something amazing there. We're just so thankful to be a part of it. So, raising our family there and our our kids are heavily involved in in what God's doing at Bethlehem Church. They love the church. My family loves the church and and so, I uh, mean, we just believe that, that God's got even more. So mm-hmm. when do
1: you think that once is a goal to get in the new facility?
2: Yeah, so it's 18 months, so I, I don't want to fall. But that's 20, what you're aiming for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: next 18 months. And in the meantime, obviously, everything's still happening on the main campus, central campus. Right. And then there's two other campuses. Talk to us a little bit about that because yeah. I was there for the launch of the first campus, and you've kind of helped spearhead the launch of the second campus. I think those are really encouraging stories where you see— body of believers who Mm -hmm. recognize we're kind of at a a crossroads. We've got to figure out what's the next step to take, the humility to then say, how could we be a Mm -hmm. part of what God is doing? uh, Two different churches making that decision and then relaunched his campuses. Pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, part of our DNA is obviously revitalization. If you had walked into Bethlehem Church 12 years ago, he was, you know... Less than three hundred people. They um, a declining church for almost a decade. Yeah. Pink pews, chandeliers. I mean, nothing like it looks now. Right. <laughs> and so revitalization is part of who we are. So yeah. that's important. And when we look at churches, it's all about revitalization. So we always say we're more opportunistic rather than strategic. So mm-hmm. we're not looking like, hey, man, we're gonna go start a church, you know, in this area specifically. I mean, it's all about opportunity and what we feel like God is is gonna do. And we honestly we've had a lot of opportunity to start <clears throat> Different campuses, and we have yeah. prayed about it. And you know, sometimes what we think is opportunity can be a temptation. <laughs> it's and not so really the right move. It's to not, make. not really yeah, the right yeah. move just so because it's, there's yeah. an opportunity doesn't mean you should do it. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's a good cause word. Exactly. Can. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean you should buy it. right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good deal, though. What you thought? <laughs>
2: that's what I. That's what I, That's what my wife tells me. I say I tell my wife. <laughs> she tells me that. But, uh, you know, so I think I think that's that's part of our story. So therefore, when we started our mm-hmm. campuses, two eleven was the oldest campus. It literally, I mean, it's older than Barrow County itself. The, the church
1: mean, itself was older than Barrow County. Yeah, it's over two hundred years old. There's Confederate soldiers buried in the cemetery at the church. The first time I met with is them, it, unmarked graves. I told yeah. them, is it haunted? You, you know, uh, Thomas know. Jefferson could have attended your church. Yeah, like the church was there at the time uh, that he was alive. That's how old this church was. Um, and the revitalization, absolutely. We got connected with them, trying to help revitalize. Them. Yeah, yeah, they were in a little bit of a transition. That's crazy. And um, in the process of Jason and I meeting with them once a week, they this would have been, gosh, you know, 2016. We would have been having these conversations. Yeah, that's right. If I can get my math right, they then asked us, "Would y'all consider letting us become a part of what God's mm-hmm. doing at Bethlehem and and letting us become a campus?" Yeah, which. Great humility, right. and what God has done there has been remarkable. And one of the things that I love about you know Matt's leadership and Jason's leadership, because basically, I kind of got the ball you mm-hmm. know across the, the finish line, and then I moved to Colorado. So y'all figure out <laughs> yeah, the details. you figure out everything. Is that when that campus was relaunched? There's this really big mural in the lobby celebrating. The over two hundred year heritage of that church before they became a campus uh-huh. of Bethlehem. So it's a really good way of honoring the past For while sure. also looking towards yeah. the future. Really cool story, and that campus is thriving. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's like Seven hundred, that's unbelievable. Wow, that's so
2: great. Over five hundred and worship a Sunday. Wow, that's so great.
1: Yeah. And then Oconee County, which is the county you live in. I live in. So um, one of the fastest growing counties in the state of Georgia, right outside Athens. Um, either the number one or number two public graded school system in the state of Georgia. Ooh, every yeah. single year, same story. A little church there, kind of their best days were behind Struggling. them, yeah. decided let's become a w- part of what God's doing. And Matt, I'll be honest with you, the first time that I drove out there and saw that property, I was visiting my parents for Christmas break. My dad drove me by there. I thought to myself, I just don't see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, But these visionary guys, man, if you walk, if you drove up there now, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. what it looks like now. It's so it's been awesome right. to see. Nobody would have seen that little piece of property and gone, I bet God could do something great here. But y'all saw it, not for what it was, but for what it could be. Yeah, for sure. And um, man, it's just awesome to see that campus thriving. Yeah, and
2: the testimony to the guys that were there, uh, the men and women, the leaders that, that felt like God had more for them, you know, even though mm-hmm. they may not see it. One, one of the things that I love is, you know, so that my family attends that campus. And so I get over there once or twice a month, usually. Yeah. Uh, but when we walk in, seeing greeters who mm-hmm. were there before, uh, at the old church. Yeah. And who had envisioned people walking into this church and people being baptized in yeah. the church. And I every single time I walk into that church, the same people grab me and they're like, We can't believe yeah. what yeah. God is doing. This is what we had always prayed for. Yeah. yeah. And it's because of them that we're able to wow. to see that happen. So I mean God just honors the faithfulness of those who, who went before us. It's part of the reason why we do the walls, the mural walls because I yeah. mean again, we're all building on somebody else's faithfulness. That's yeah. right. We're always, you know, we're building on their faithfulness. Uh, Somebody else will come behind us and build, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully on our faithfulness as well. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're actually, part of our plans of an expansion is we are going to build new worship rooms for both 211 and a cody So that's kind of, I mean, really, they're, they're at three services now. Yeah. So they're doing an 8, 930, and 1115 service. We do an 8, 9, 30, 11, 15 at, at yeah. the, uh, the 316 campus, the central campus. And we just started a Thursday night service like mm-hmm. six weeks yeah, ago. Telling, Let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Share, yeah. share with everybody listening night. how,
1: you know, that service. Because I've always thought with travel and with uh, travel ball and vacations and different things, you know, like, church being on a weekend is a limiting factor. Right. And so mm-hmm. y'all are doing, it's not a separate service. It's, it's not. your it's the first service, service of the, of the weekend. weekend. Yeah, right. tell us about that. Man.
2: Yeah, so we, we just, honestly, we were out of space. So mm-hmm. we run consecutive services uh, at our 930 and 1115 service, mm-hmm. uh, services at 316. So we actually have a north and south venue. Both of those venues are full. So we needed to start another service. Instead of starting a fourth service on Sunday, we decided to start one on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, it's Jason's vision of going, hey, we. I, I think now is the time. And he came to me and... And I I, th- I thought he was exactly right. I mean, yeah. to, if we're gonna, ever going to try a Thursday, this is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So we we this is true. We we prayed for three hundred people. Mm-hmm. I thought we would land somewhere around two hundred and fifty people. We have not dropped below literally in worship five hundred and fifty every Thursday, Thursday night. Every Thursday yeah. night. So we we've been as high. I mean, <laughs> and there's there's a hundred or so kids that are there as well. Yeah. And it, what's cool about the stories? It's not the same people. We literally Bethlehem grew. We were trying to move people from 9:30 open up seats and we just didn't open grew by 500. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't open up anything. We grew by 500 people. So it's people. become
1: here's what's important it's become a reach mechanism. It is. Yeah. So I I you know would put out there you know maybe Vaughn Forest one day or other churches Start a service at another time, not to alleviate a space issue, but to, to reach, reach new people who you currently aren't being reached. That's I think crazy. that's what Charles are the seeing. The number,
2: happen. Of, the number of conversations that people tell us, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, I could never attend on a Sunday. I watched mm-hmm. you online, but now I get to attend." Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've we pulled people from even other like areas. They the first time they ever attended uh, Bethlehem Church was on Thursday night. Yeah, just because there was an opportunity, right. they couldn't go to Whoa. any other church on Sundays right. either. So, and then we're obviously seeing, you know. Um, you know, Sundays just aren't sacred anymore. I mean, yeah. we're, you're seeing that with travel ball and all those things. And, yeah. you know, and I'm not somebody who just, you know, obviously takes shots at travel ball parents. And, I, like, I get all those things. Yeah. But what we're seeing from, you know, yeah. these parents is, like, we can attend on Thursday night as yeah. a family. Right. right? And, you know, a lot of travel ball That's parents really are, are reaching people. That's their, and their mission rela- field. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. having yeah. Rela- yeah. relationships yeah. with people outside of, of church, which is actually what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Right, yeah. You know? But— you know, Obviously, there's a balance there, and their mm-hmm. kids are able to be—we have full uh, worship, and we have children's environments on Thursday nights, and, man, it's just—it's been pretty awesome. That's so, so great. Crazy, well,
1: obviously, man. you have a lot going on, <laughs> super busy. So the fact that you would drive over and, and spend some time and invest in our, our folks here at yeah. Vaughn Forest, we're really grateful for that. And the message was super encouraging. Really insightful. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things that we can talk about. Uzziah.
0: Uzziah. Which if you're looking for baby King names. Uzziah. I mean, hey, King come Uzziah. on now.
1: Uzziah should be at the top of the <laughs> list. the
0: top of the list. Well, you know, let's talk about that. So we're in week two of Broken Crown. Um, so, you know, you started off talking about pride. That, that's mm-hmm. what we were talking about. Um, and you, the, one, one of the things you said was pride is like cholesterol. I really yeah. like that. Uh, there's a good and a bad side. Right. Um, so, you know, let's talk about the difference. How do we know?
2: good pride versus bad pride? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, ultimately it comes down to our heart. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an heart issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they guard your heart above all else because yeah. it, it determines the course and direction of your life. So yeah. anything we're talking about here I mean, it begins with a heart. And so when, when you're looking at pride, we obviously want our kids to have pride in their mm-hmm. work. I mean, my dad told me years ago when I was Yeah, pulling weeds out of the garden. You need to have pride in your work. Oh my God, there's nothing I'm proud about this. But pulling weeds out, man. But you know, it's sports. Yeah, you know, have some pride in your work. Have some pride in your, um, you know, in your practice. All of those things, like Mm -hmm. those, are healthy things. I mean, I I think we should, as men, as women, we should take pride in our family. We should take pride. So those are those are obviously healthy versions because they're motivating Mm -hmm. factors. But again, it comes back to the heart. Yeah. So, if it's pride for the sake of me, if it's all about like making my name great, yeah my, I, I say it this way, my kingdom yeah so if it's about a building and amassing my kingdoms, mm-hmm. then that is an unhealthy pride yeah so you know G- Jesus said, you know there there's one kingdom mm-hmm. Okay, and the word kingdom is actually a really interesting word. So if you if you split it apart, it literally means the king's domain. Yeah. So it's it's the king's rule and reign. Mm-hmm. So when we try to mass and build our own little kingdoms, what we're saying these are the areas of my life that I have rule and reign. Mm-hmm. So I decide the rules right. in these areas of my life. Yeah. Um, you know that obviously is unhealthy. That's unhealthy yes. pride. So. Yeah. When you when you talk about the kingdom of God, obviously mm-hmm. it's the kingdom is way bigger yeah. uh, than ours. And you know, we talked about the disciples a little bit with uh, kind of had fun with James and John. Like <laughs> they didn't understand the kingdom either. Yeah, like they were very confused. You know, yeah. when James and John were talking, let's sit on your right and left. They they weren't thinking. I think from we an all eternal probably kingdom. been like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, I do think again, pride uh, is one of those things that there are healthy versions of it, but it's important to know. And we said this in the message. Whenever the Bible talks about pride, it's always the unhealthy version of pride. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good word. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, in, in sec, uh, Second Chronicles, you, you talked about the priests have building up uh, courage to take on and confront King Uzziah, right? Um, who was an authority over them. So you're looking at you know someone who is placed an authority over God ordained that. Um, so how do we know
2: when we are to submit to the authority that God's placed versus confront it? Yeah. That's good. So let me say this about authority. Um, we didn't say this in the message, but mm-hmm. as we unpack it today, uh, authority is a moral issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we talk about morality. Yeah. Authority is a moral issue. Yeah. So just like a, a sexual purity mm-hmm. and all those things, there are moral issues. Like this, this is a moral issue. Yeah. Uh, when it when it comes to um, th- this idea that God places authority over us. Yeah. You know, he's the one who establishes authority.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when King Uzziah just went in and said, hey, God had established authority over the priests and God established his authority. Mm-hmm. But then he, what he tried to do is, you know, subsert, right? Yeah. Is, that, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The priest's authority that God had established. Mm-hmm. So what he, what he was failing to recognize is God established that authority there. Yeah. And I, I want to read a passage. It's actually in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, it's It's really powerful. It says this, for this has been decreed by the messengers, okay? It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know, here it is, that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world, and he gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people.
0: Mm.
2: So sometimes we can feel like everything's out of control, especially when we look at the United States and obviously the uncertainty of our world right now. Right. And you can look at all these different... Lowercase kingdoms, so yeah. the man has established. Yeah. And what you need to understand is, like, all authority is established by God. Yeah, but but His authority rules over all the other authorities. Mm-hmm. And so, when we fail to uh, acknowledge God's authority, then it becomes a moral issue.
0: Yeah,
2: again, just like an affair would be a moral issue, like it becomes a moral issue yeah. uh, for us. So that's exactly what was happening with with King Uzziah. He yeah. failed to to you know, stay under God's authority. And the priests who
1: are under his authority have the courage to confront him. Yeah, to say, hey, this ain't right. So how do you confront authority that is not (laughs) doing what that authority is supposed to be doing? And, you know, we're here in, obviously, Montgomery, the birth of the Civil Rights Movement, Mm -hmm. and I think of... Those courageous individuals who led the civil rights movement, Mm -hmm. you know, so civil disobedience. So, you know, Martin Luther King says we're going to confront unjust laws. We're going to purposely disobey these unjust laws. But here's what made Martin Luther King such a remarkable leader. We're going to do it in a nonviolent way that doesn't put us at the center of the story. Mm -hmm. We will gladly accept the consequences. We will peacefully go to jail. Yeah. You know, so I will. I will disobey this law. It's not a just law. I'm going to confront this authority peacefully, mm-hmm. and I'm going to accept the consequences for that. And that picture of selflessness is ultimately what motivated, you know, lawmakers to say mm-hmm. we've got to change these yeah, laws. Right, we got to rethink this. Yeah. So because it did something in people's hearts. Yeah. When when, when you see that, and so you know, if you're a Christ follower, you know, when should you not obey a law when a law is commanding you to do something contrary to what God would have you to do? Mm -hmm. It is now your moral imperative to disobey that law, Yeah. but to do it in a way not for your own rights, but out of obedience to God, and then to willingly accept whatever earthly consequence comes your way. Yeah. I I think think this is really good, too, as we raise our kids. You know, my kids are, you know, in public schools and if your kids go to public schools and you haven't had this conversation with them, you need to have this conversation with them. <laughs> what would you do, son, daughter, if you were asked to do something that you know is counter to what God would have you to do? Right. And does, does your child know that they have your permission to disobey? Right. <laughs> okay, so these are the conversations we have. And have you taught them how to disobey respectfully? But yeah, You said to say with so respect. the world we live in now, there will be a day where when our kids are interviewing for jobs one day, mm-hmm. when when it comes out to their Christ followers, They'll be, they will be disqualified from moving to the yeah. next step of the process. Right. The d- discrimination as Christians will only get worse, not not less. Right. Correct. So we've got to raise this generation to be Christ followers who understand how to confront authority appropriately when that authority is asking them to do something counter to what being a Christ follower would have them to do. Right. Th- this is this is new ground. Yeah, this right. is new territory. The previous generations of parents weren't having to have these conversations, right. which is why we talk so much here and I know y'all do at Bethlehem in about Western what you do. Yeah, with yeah, in Western yeah, oh, don't even get started on that. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, thank you for we'll that. Be all day. Yeah, don't even start on that. So um but yes, understanding authority and then understanding when Authority should be confronted mm-hmm. appropriately, and the priests give us a really good picture of that in this biblical account, yeah. right?
0: Um, so, your second point was pride causes God to oppose you, and we saw that pretty clearly with King Uzziah. I mean, leprosy mm-hmm. breaking out on your forehead—I I, I think that's pretty clear, right? Um, you you know, messed up. You—you you, you done. You messed up. You goofed. Um, so, but then I, I think about stories like Job, you know, where you know, he was being faithful, and then all these terrible things are happening to him. So, you know, how do we know when God is opposing us versus, you know, us just living in a broken world?
2: How do we know that? Yeah, that's a tough theological uh, question. A couple things that I would think about, uh, or just have us think about, you know, when when you think about circumstances you know it's dangerous to have what we call a circumstantial faith mm-hmm. in other words when circumstances are good god's good
0: when yeah. circumstances
2: are bad god's bad you know or hey, a if everything is going well in my life right. right now in my circumstances then that must mean that that i'm doing everything right right well a lot of times we we look at snapshots of the story we don't we we don't mm-hmm. see the 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 full picture yeah so in the area of Job, I mean, Job's are Job's really interesting, yeah. Because a couple things I point out. First of all, Satan had to ask permission, yeah, in order to to um, to afflict Job, right? So y- you go to the New Testament, you actually see this right before. So we're I mean, it's almost Holy Week, right? Yeah. So you actually see this um, in. Two areas of, like, moving into the to the Lord's Supper, what we mm-hmm. call Lord's Supper, the Passover Supper, right. uh, two areas that, that we see that I think are very interesting, and I actually talked about this a couple weeks ago um, in a message. Uh, you, you see Judas, mm-hmm. the life of Judas. So Judas, obviously, was going to betray Jesus. They're right. sitting around a table, and G- Jesus says something. He, G- Jesus says, hey, I'm about to give this bread to the person who is going to betray me. Well, we know that to be Judas, so he mm-hmm. handed him this bread. And then, and then it says that when he took the bread, Satan entered him. Now, it's the only time we ever see in Scripture that Satan entered a person. Right. Uh, the, the Antichrist, it talks about Satan will enter that right. person as well. But it's the only time we see in Scripture. And then Jesus says something that I think is fascinating. He says, what you're about to do, go do quickly.
0: Mm.
2: Now, we read that, we think he's talking to Judas. He wasn't talking to Judas. He was talking to Satan. Mm-hmm. So he's literally saying to Satan, you're, what you're about to do, I give you permission to do. Mm. Okay? Yeah. You also see with the sifting of Peter, <laughs> Jesus comes to to, uh, to Peter and says, uh, Peter, Simon, Simon, yeah. uh, Satan, the devil, has asked to sift each of you. He's talking about the disciples. But I pray for you. Mm. So it, notice it says that Satan asked. Yeah. Like Satan has no... Uh, Permission, yeah. unless it's unless it's given to him, yeah. So you go all the way back to Job again. The Old Testament example would be Job that mm-hmm. that Satan came to God. So a couple of things that I would say when you when you look at our lives, first of all, like ultimate authority is God's, mm-hmm. and permission has to be given for Satan to do anything to us, yeah. to Christ followers. So that's powerful. Yeah, But that's... when you read Hebrews chapter 11, you read the Hall of Faith, you see great men and women mm-hmm. who loved God, who were faithful, who experienced gruesome deaths yeah. and suffering. So, you know, a lot of times that, that our suffering, we can see our suffering and we can think that, that you know, maybe that, that God's hand is, you know, against us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, I want to go back to it, it really is all, all about our heart. So yeah. if we if we are walking with the Lord again, what the Lord promises is not that hey, if you say yes to me, then you're never going to have any problems on this earth. Yeah, no, he says no. He says you're going to have problems, mm-hmm. but I will be with you in those problems. Right, that I w- I will be there for you. So yeah. for us as Christ followers, it could be. That we are in opposition to God. Mm -hmm. And we would know this because our lifestyle and the decisions that we are making are not aligning with God's law and God's desires for us. But it also may be that we are walking with the Lord Mm -hmm. and man we're just experiencing the depravity Mm -hmm. of this world. Yeah. And Jesus promises a new world. Mm -hmm. That Jesus promises that we will be with him in paradise and that that ultimately as revelation chapter 21 says there will be no more suffering there will yeah. be no more pain yeah. you know
1: so i always that's think that's about so peter when jesus is like satan's requested permission to sift you like wheat i bet peter was like and, and what did you say it's like now peter's like and i bet you said no and, and then yeah. he's like yeah. <laughs> and i'm gonna pray for you and so you know that was an eye-opening experience for for peter but think about everything that happened in Peter's life from that point forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what are we, six weeks later, he's mm-hmm. preaching the day of Pentecost? Yeah. You know, thousands of people are getting saved. And so here's here's a lesson that nobody ever got taught in Sunday school. Like, if you grew up in church, I promise you, this was not in the children's curriculum. <laughs> not
0: Feltmore Jesus. Yeah, though. no,
1: Feltmore Jesus did not cover this, <laughs> and it's probably not in the curriculum that would be covered in most Sunday school classes. Seasons of sifting. Hmm. That if, if, if God wants to use you in a significant way, he's going to take you through a season of sifting, and right. Jesus will give the enemy permission to cooperate with his purposes for your life. So these seasons of sifting are always for greater seasons of fruitfulness. Now, most of us want the season of fruitfulness. (laughs) We just don't want the season of sifting. But it is a pattern in Scripture. It is a pattern in Scripture. So how do you know the difference? Am I being sifted or am I being disobedient? You got to have some good friends. You got to have some good friends who you walk with Jesus with, who have the boldness and who you've given permission to speak up Mm -hmm. and speak into your life. To call you out on your stuff right. to say, hey man, if you keep down this road, I'm telling you, this is where it's gonna mm-hmm. take you. Or you think you're being sifted, now you're just being sinful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes we need someone else to point right. that out to us because we we can't always discern those things. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to have those people in your that's life that, that you can, you know, talk to, yeah. talk about the real things. And I've had, I've told this story before <laughs> on the podcast, I've had men of God in my life look at me and go, I hear you, but here's the problem. Your attitude sucks. <laughs> like, really? Yes, that's the yeah. problem. Yeah. I, and I thought it was a bunch of other stuff. And then I've had other times people yeah. go, wow, it sounds like... You're being sifted right Mm. now. Mm. The best I can tell, unless you're not telling me the whole story, Mm. you're walking... And obedience, not perfection, but Mm -hmm. obedience, God wants to be really up to something, Mm -hmm. you know? So we need those people in our lives to help us in discerning that, because that is not an easy thing to discern Mm -hmm. on the surface. That's really good. And here's
2: what I say. So sifting, you may not know what sifting is. So you're like, that's not a terminology. Unless you're a farmer or something like that, you may know what sifting is. But (laughs) sifting is actually to separate the wheat. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do, in order to separate the wheat, you have to shake it. Yeah, You got to shake it. Shake. So what we're talking about, we talk about <laughs> yeah, safety, you, like, if like, your life is shook. being shook up a little bit, like, <laughs> yeah. it may be. I think what Adam said is Rocking so important. Rocking your world. Like, there, there's, there's obviously the authority of Scripture uh-huh. that we have to align our lives by. And then there, there is the, um, the accountability of godly friends yeah. uh, that, that, that can speak. Because emotions cloud clarity. Right. Like, we're in our circumstances, yes. like, we can't see things clearly. Yeah. But people from the outside who are not as emotionally connected— mm-hmm. Can speak into our lives. That's the reason why we go see counselors. Yeah. They can speak yeah. into our lives. Yes, That's we, good. we talked about last week needing a Nathan in your life.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, there's another circumstance where Nathan, <laughs> <laughs> you're not being sifted, David. You're being sensible. You yeah. did yeah. that. Yeah, right. you did this. That's good. That's good.
0: Well, and then you know, then you talked about you know climbing uh, the social ladder or career ladder. Um, so my question is, like, when we're when we're looking at that, how do we how do we stay content with where we are? Instead of leaning into our pride and, and wanting to take that step, because you know, for a lot of times, like
2: I'm looking at that, going, "Man, I'm 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 ready for the next step." Yeah, here's what I would say: contentment is a perspective. Mm. So if you don't have the proper perspective, then you'll never be content.
0: Mm.
2: So my, you know, my my perspective has to be aligned with you know um, a godly perspective of what yeah. God wants for my family where he has us now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just believe I work as hard as I can. I, I, I be as obedient. You know, my dad used to say, success is obedience, the results are God's.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So my, my job is obedience. God's job is to open up doors.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then if door opens up, then you pray about it, you know? Yeah. But again, if you're trying to open and force doors and you're trying right. to bang on doors, I just think that to me, to me that then you're trying, to, uh, you're trying to force something that maybe is not there. right. And they're just people who are never content. You know, right. they they always they're they're never content in their job, but those t- those type of people are they're just never content people. It's not just one area. <laughs> yeah, like you see in, you area. see in multiple areas of their lives, like yeah. in their marriage and their career, and, yeah. and the reason why is because they're just personally they are not content in their yeah. souls. Mm-hmm. So it's really a soul issue. Yeah, you know that we have. Um, and when we when we have a level of of, of soul contentment, mm-hmm. then like. The win for me is that I am in right relationship, right standing with the Lord. Yeah, and that is that that I am walking with the Lord, and then the results of that, you know, are God's. Yeah, and so when the doors He opens up, then I pray about them, and,
1: and a lot of time discontentment is resulting from life not. Following a script that only exists in your mind. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I thought by this point in my life, I'd be here, or my marriage (laughs) will like this, or my kids. Well, it says who?
2: Right. So, like,
1: you've constructed (laughs) this whole world that only exists in your mind, and now you're discontent because your life doesn't match it. Well, here's the thing die to that script.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just go ahead (laughs) and rewrite it.
1: (laughs) I think the will of God would be be just to, like, get that out of my mind. Okay, so this isn't where I thought I was going to live. This isn't the number of kids I thought I would have. This isn't the checking account I thought it would look like. This isn't the position I. Had in my career, I'm good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so th- th- at some point, all of us have to die to whatever it is that we've placed as an expectation in our life. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes – the expectations we have are serving as a limiting factor for what God yeah. really wants to do. Yeah. And it's hard to die to that, especially if you are ambitious and you're motivated. And I do think what Matt said earlier about what's driving this at a heart level, mm-hmm. that does matter, because we need incredibly ambitious and motivated people who also are selfless, yeah, yeah. who would get into positions of leadership to serve others. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a lot of things that are happening there, but but Matt is, is so correct. Until you get that contentment thing settled, you will be moving forward in dysfunction, right? You won't be Chaos. moving forward from a health <laughs> right. a perspective of health. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Which will only make things worse. Heaven forbid, when you get into a place where you can make decisions mm-hmm. and you can influence others, because now what's driving that. And obviously we see that play out in so many yeah. different arenas, you know, in the world. But, you know, wherever you are right now, if, if everything about your life stayed the same way it is right now, Until Mm -hmm. the day you met Jesus, are you good? Mm -hmm. Our friend Joel Goddard likes to say, if the Lord (laughs) never did anything for me again, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Because of what he's already done. Yeah. Purchased my salvation, Mm -hmm. promised me eternity. You see what I'm saying? Right. So at some level, and we we did a series on worship last fall, talking about what is driving our worship. And Mm -hmm. and it is who God is, what he's done, what we believe he'll continue to do, and all these other things, yeah. Go after it. Yeah. Go for it. See what happens. But if that's driving your level of contentment, you've missed something yeah. along the way. Yeah, yeah. And
2: yeah. I would say this: so comparison leads to discontentment. Mm-hmm. That's good. So when you're when you're all when you're looking around, you're making yeah. all these comparisons. Like I don't yeah. have this; they have this, or you know, whatever it is. Whether it's in your family, whether, mm-hmm. whether your possessions, your job, like that leads to discontent. Yes. So you you got to settle something in your your own yeah. personal life and by playing the comparison game mm-hmm. you will never be content in right. you so always be restless you will always be restless good. yeah
0: man that's really good um one of the things you were talking about too was uh that I really liked was uh, in Mark Ten uh <laughs> the uh sons the wrestling thunder. name the sons, sons of, thunder. of thunder yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great name uh don't know if that would be really great if Jesus is calling you that though um one of the things that Dee and I've been doing we watching uh the chosen and when Jesus gives them that nickname, it's like one of our favorite scenes. <laughs> uh, if y'all haven't watched it, you I haven't go, seen it yet. It's it's a really good scene. Um, in any, anyway, um, my my question would be though, because like the, their response is, you know, of anger of people responding to them in anger. So it's like an eye for an eye, basically. Um, how do we, you know, operate? How do we practice humility? Um, when that's going on, so that we don't wind up having a nickname like Sons of Thunder. <laughs> right.
2: Because, <laughs> you know, it sounds cool, but, you know, right. in reality... Well, obviously, it's talking about anger. Yes. And, yeah. you know, I used to say, like, anger is, like, the the thing that men struggle with, but, I mean, come on, I, like, I've <laughs> seen enough in women, too. Like, we're, we're all, not not naming any names, but, I mean, we all, we all struggle with anger. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about anger. Anger is always a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. So Mm. what do you mean by that? So it's a secondary. It's a reaction to something else that's going on in our lives. Okay. So again, so anger is secondary. So Mm. why are you angry? Mm -hmm. So when you, when you get angry, what, what is it about that moment? Why, why did it affect you so deeply in your heart? your life so for hmm. James and John they go in there and they're like hey we're here to preach yeah well they didn't respond the way they thought right so then they're like well we want to annihilate them <laughs> well that wasn't about the kingdom of God that was about that was that was about they they got burn them up <laughs> yeah they got rejected yeah it hurt yep. you know and they're like I want to get them back yeah that's what that was about yeah so it's always a, it's always a, it was an insecurity mm-hmm. like so it, anger is is that secondary emotion that reveals what is really going on in our right lives. yeah that's I really like that. And That's I, really good.
1: And you think about, you know, having humility. I think one of the things that I've had to work really hard on that, you know, I get right sometimes and sometimes I don't <laughs> is, is not feeling this constant need to be understood mm-hmm. or 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 not seeking vengeance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a pastor, you're going to be misunderstood. Yeah. There's going to be people who leave the church. There's going to be people who don't like you. Mm-hmm. And I have this tendency to think, well, if I could just sit down and explain everything, they'd be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we could work this out. They just don't clearly understand. You don't get it. And the, the challenge is they probably do very much understand, yeah. which is why they're probably leaving <laughs> or why there might be a point of contention because brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ can see things differently. Right, Um, and so when someone, when when you're not on the same page with someone, Mm -hmm. are you okay to just be content and humble enough to say, I'm going to show that person the self respect they deserve, and go, they just see that differently, and that's okay. Now, if that person takes it to another level and they start gossiping and they start making up lies and they start saying this and saying that, are you? Trustworthy enough to go. I'll let God take care of that in right. His own way, in His own time. Because the 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 moment I say I got that, God goes. I'll leave it up to you. But <laughs> I luck. can actually handle that better than you. And so yeah. you know, there are going to be people who say things about you, who misrepresent you, who lie about you. That's called the human experience. We live mm-hmm. in this broken and fallen world. Yeah. Humility is to not feel like you have to vindicate yourself. Right. right. That's all. That's a hard one for yeah. all of us. Humility. Here we go. Is. <laughs> Recognizing you don't have to vindicate your kids. Mm. You know, part of raising our kids is allowing them to experience some of that. Yeah. And not going in and rescuing
0: them. And that's a tough one. Oh,
1: so you didn't get treated fairly by that teacher or that coach. Let's unpack that. Mm-hmm. Because guess what life will do? Not treat them fairly. Yeah. So if every time your kids go through that now, you try to change it or manipulate it or make it better, you are not serving them well. Right. If you guide them through how to appropriately respond... Now you're setting them up to succeed yeah. long long term. With that, nobody, but the, the natural inclination yeah. is to is to swoop in, yeah. with our spouse, with our friends, with our kids, but that's not how life works. And so that is a level of humility mm-hmm. where you're just leaving it in the hands of the Lord. And it's something that you know all of us struggle with. But I think it's I think it's a helpful reminder with when it comes to humility.
2: Yeah, well, yeah that's, that's good. really good. I bet that, that's a hard one too. I bet with your kids. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, because well, we, we
1: all want to take care of them.
2: Yeah. We think about Jesus. I mean, if Jesus wanted to win every argument, he could have, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was yeah. the smartest guy in every room. Yeah. He could have won every argument, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. He doesn't engage in every argument. Right. And I think it's a good lesson for us. A lot of times, what we do is we engage in, in with people. We want to show them how smart we are, all the mm-hmm. things that we knew or we know. And Jesus never did that. Mm-hmm. You know, so Jesus walked in humility. Yeah. If he would have chosen to be right, mm-hmm. if he would have chosen to, you know, um, not, give his life willfully on a cross yeah. there, there is no hope there is no relationship
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know with him so mm-hmm. he he walked in humility I, that's the example that paul is referring to for all of us mm-hmm. it, you know it, it, this even the son of man yeah did not demand and cling to his rights as god
1: mm-hmm. and your attitude should be the and same your attitude yeah. should yeah. be like <laughs> wow. it's
2: pretty clear yeah. yeah should be the same <laughs> Yeah, well, man, that's that's really well. Let me cool. ask
1: you one final word about all this, Matt. So, you know, people listening, I think we all still have this like thing in us to push back against authority. Yeah. Um, you know, we all couldn't wait to be eighteen, so we could get out from <laughs> underneath mom and dad's <laughs> roof and you know make our own decisions. You know, make our own stupid choices. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so when when someone says you know you need authority in your life, I think for a lot of us that's hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have this natural inclination to push back against authority. I also think that all of us have experienced mishandled authority. So mm-hmm. we've developed a little bit of a distrust towards authority. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up today, and help us understand, how do you seek out healthy authority if you don't have that? You Maybe you're listening. You're yeah. like, I, I mean, I have a boss. Is that what you're talking about? We're, we're talking about authority that ultimately... Mm-hmm. Aids you in your sanctification, mm-hmm, helps you become more yeah. like Jesus. So, so how do you how do you get that in your life? If that's something that you look at right now and go, I'm not really sure I have that.
2: Yeah, well, a couple of things, especially if if you're happening to be listening to this and you're a teenager. When we're teenagers, the the one thing that we don't want, you know, is to be told what to do. Like we we want to make we want to make the rules. We want to yeah. we, we're trying to get out from underneath authority. And here's yeah. what you need to know: if you're a teenager. The older you get, you think you're going to have less and less authority, and the reality is you have more and more authority over mm-hmm. your life. So you got a boss, like you're saying. You, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, there are all kinds of authorities that yeah. we we live in. You know, even you know, even at our age. So, a couple things to to think of: freedom is always found under authority. Mm-hmm. So yeah. freedom is found under authority. God establishes authority. When you walk under authority, there's freedom. Mm-hmm. When you when you decide, I don't want to live under the umbrella of that authority, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, that actually doesn't lead to more freedom. It actually leads to less freedom. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we we, we could we, we could go interview people who are sitting in jail or yeah. prison mm-hmm. who decided, hey, I, I want to do whatever I want to do when right. I want to do it. Now, do they have more freedom or do they have less freedom? Yeah. <laughs> they got A lot lots less freedom. So God establishes authority that doesn't mean that all authority walks with God. Mm-hmm. So a couple things I thought you what you said was really important at the beginning. God's the ultimate authority. Yeah. So if we, if we have to determine who, whose laws we're going to follow, <laughs> let's follow his. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But there are some authorities that God's established. And here's what I would say. You may have a boss and that person may not be a healthy authority in your mm-hmm. life they 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 may be somebody who doesn't represent a godly authority but you you could be a godly servant
0: mhm
2: so you think about jesus let's let's back this up and kind of so jesus placed himself under the authority of the religious le- leaders mm-hmm. he allowed them to you know the 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 roman government yeah. he allowed them to take his life so he mm-hmm. the way he he actually he didn't You know, he didn't say no to that authority. He actually was a servant underneath that authority. Mm -hmm. And because of that, because he did that, because he was still under authority, God raised him up. So I think that's important to remember. God is your rear guard. Your job is to serve and to be a Christ follower. Mm -hmm. God's job is to raise you up. So anytime you're trying to manipulate the circumstances and trying to exalt yourself or raise my hand and go, I'm right, you're wrong, all of those things that we have a tendency to do, yeah. we're not allowing God to to raise us up because mm-hmm. that's what he does for people who walk in humility. Mm-hmm. So again, you may that's be in here good. and you may, you, you may be in a position right now and you have a boss who's not godly. And here's what I would say. How can you serve them the way Jesus served us? That's good. That's,
0: good. that's really good. Um, well, fellas, I think that that's a good place to wrap things up today. Well, Matt, thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Yep, uh, Adam, thank you. I'm glad to be here, too. Hosting,
1: co-hosting. <laughs> co-hosting. Uh- <laughs> so we'll be back next yeah, week. Chad next... will be back with us. Yes,
0: he'll be back. I'll be back on the other side of the table. And we'll table. be in
1: week three. Week three. Of Palm Broken. Sunday.
0: Palm Sunday. Palm wow. Sunday.
1: So I hope to see you here uh, this upcoming Sunday.
0: Yep, yep. So on behalf of Matt, Chad, who's not here, <laughs> uh And then Adam and sound guy, Jonathan, um, man, we hope you have a good week and we'll see you next week.